Hello and welcome to the Fish Nerds, the show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd of the podcast and Licensed Fishing Guide, and your host. Today on the show, I'm super excited. We have a special guest who I'll tell you about in a minute. We also have uh, Fish Guy Josh and Doc Martin here with Fish of the Day. We're going to do some news. We're going to play Stump the Fish Nerds, but I, I'm, I'm going to jump in with the guest here because he's he's sitting at a bar in Lansing, Michigan. He looks as beautiful as ever. Uh, he's, he's young, he's handsome, all the things you want from a podcast guest. So we're super lucky to have Goodness. one of my favorite songwriters ever, and that's not a joke. Someone who can sing with a raspy or out-of-tune voice better than Lou Reed and Bob Dylan combined. Someone who is deeper and darker than even Morrissey himself. Someone who would have killed a lot of animals if Ted Nugent had him beaten him to it. Someone <laughs> who I have been listening to and have been inspired by for years. Someone who loves music, science, uh, and comedy, total nerd, and most interestingly, the author of the biggest book ever written on mindless humor, 101 Oyster Jokes, Mr. Wally Pleasant. Wally, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Clay. I want to yeah. I want to let you know, actually, there's 104, but I, I yeah. 101 <laughs> sounded better, so I just went with that. It sells more, yeah. And I actually read a lot of that book today. It's, it's <laughs> awful. Uh <laughs> yeah. yeah. The whole idea behind that was I, I was trying to see how Amazon publishing kind of worked because I was thinking mm-hmm. if I if I ever wrote anything that was that was oh what's the word uh, good then I might <laughs> maybe um, maybe put put it on on there but um, I just I had this one hundred one oyster jokes I, I was um, for years I would I would suffer from insomnia and I would just think of oyster jokes as a way to kind of my my counting sheep kind of thing <laughs> that's the and, best thing i've ever heard <laughs> yeah so then i ended up with with 101 and then you know then you got the book right there and um i i thought well let's load it on there and let's see how it works and as a result i get uh probably every quarter i would estimate uh, about two two dollars and 14 cents well um, i bought my copy today so i'm i'm very pleased and i and i know at least one other person who's buying one and now uh, let me let me read some wow. reviews of your book cuz these are really tremendous i like them this book is exactly long enough for me to go to the bathroom and finish while wiping. Bravo, Mr. Pleasant. That's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> when they bring out the shrimp ring at your next holiday party, you'll know exactly which joke to tell. Number 64, <laughs> number 70, and 102. Crab dip, joke number 46. You will laugh and groan and then laugh some more. Goofy, funny, in the I can't believe I'm laughing so hard at this kind of way. Another Wally Pleasant masterpiece. And one of my, one of the best oyster joke compendiums I've ever read. The book America needs to get through some very tough times. So really nice reviews, well done. Yeah, I, uh, I actually wrote those. So yeah. They, oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> you wrote your own reviews. I was, uh, I, I was going to the thesaurus trying to figure out what compendium meant, and uh, I ended up doing that. Yep. Well, nicely done. So you can write your own reviews on Amazon. I was so proud of someone else writing them for you. <laughs> um, it's um, and, and I'm really excited that it's gonna my chart's gonna spike through the roof because you bought one and then you said somebody else might buy one. I'm I'm pretty sure one of our callers who's a big fan is gonna buy one. In fact, before I get into like talking about your Kickstarter project, which I want to get to, um, I want to play for you a couple of phone calls that came in when they heard you're gonna be on the show. Believe it or not, my listeners actually are also some of them are, are your fans as well. Wow, we're like cross-marketing here. It's, it's by qui- one of them I've known for years, and the other one is just by pure coincidence. So I love your uh, – I can, I can actually see where you're at because we're in a video conference, and it, it looks very comfortable. I'm just in my guest room like, with big signs behind me here. Yeah. So. 
Hello, this is a message for Wally Pleasant. This is Clay's old friend Dono calling. I'm sure Clay is too nice to bring up the fact that back when he broke up with his first girlfriend, we used to play That's Evolution for him all the time, you know, to cheer him up. Well, mostly it just cheered us up. But my question for you, Wally, is when are you going to do some songs about fishing? It seems a natural subject. Thank you. Bye. So in case it was hard to hear, that was my friend Dono from New Jersey. He went to Stockton State College, which is where he met you years ago. He wanted to know, um, first of all, he was making fun of me for not having a girlfriend a lot when I was younger. Uh, but he also wanted to know, when are you going to start writing songs about uh, fish? Okay. Well, first of all, friends are so mean. Uh, I terrible. <laughs> I have this thing where I, I write songs for special occasions for people. Mm -hmm. So this guy uh, wanted me to write a song for his friend that he's known for a really long time. And he, he was just focusing on all these negative things about him that he wants to write about how he has diabetes and he's going to have God. his foot chopped off eventually. And it was just, uh, it, friends are cruel. Goodness. They are. That's why we like them. They, they keep yeah. us honest. Right, right. I actually, when I was first um, started trying to write songs, I wrote a song about fishing. And um, I don't remember it very well, but I, th I think uh, I might have to bust that out of the archives, revamp it a little bit and uh, get it to you or, or just start a new. Start a new one. Yeah. Yeah. But that was Dono. He actually is the person who uh, in, introduced me to your music years ago. So uh, that's, that's why we're here today, because of him. I went to high school with him and hung out with him when he was in college. All right. So another caller, another caller just called in this morning. And this is actually a person who's a true fan of the show who I didn't know for years. And he knows you just because of your music. Hi, Clay. This is Ryan Dubay calling in. Happy to talk to you. I understand you have the one and only Wally Pleasant on the podcast tonight. And I listened to Wally Pleasant well over 20 years ago when I was a DJ at a college radio station. And he had a song, Hardcore Man, that I always thought had to be about Henry Rollins. But I never knew, and that was 20 years ago before the age of the internet, and I never got the answer. So is Hardcore Man about Henry Rollins? Love the show. Okay, so that's Ryan Dubay, and he wanted to know, is Hardcore Man about Henry Rollins? Yes, that's, that is one of my uh, many biographical songs. And, uh, <laughs> I got, you know, Ty Cobb and uh, I, uh, Ted Nugent. And, and yes, Hardcore Man is about Henry Rollins. Uh, yeah, he was... I, I think um, it's been a while since I listened to that, but uh, I should bust <laughs> it out again. Maybe, maybe uh, re rework some, update it or something. Yeah, because you get Henry Rollins now in a wheelchair or like in convalescence center. He's old now, so he's going to be yeah. less, less hardcore. He's he's less angry. Yeah, <laughs> someone's get him a hug somewhere. So, <laughs> all right, hey, so. Um, so you've got the reason I found you this morning is I noticed that you have a Kickstarter com campaign starting up for a new album you want to put out. First album in somewhere near fourteen years. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so so let's talk Everybody's about that a little bit. In the background, I know. Hooray for new Wally <laughs> Pleasant records. So let's talk a little bit about your Kickstarter campaign. First of all, why are you making a record after so long? Are you just coming out of retirement? Did you run out of money? What's going on? <laughs> wow, that's a good question. I um. 
I'd been writing songs for a long time, but I, I hadn't kind of figured out how to how to release stuff. Uh, it used to be just record something and make a CD, and that that obviously changed. And um, I decided, uh, well, let's let's actually you know get get some of these songs that I've written out. And I thought that the Kickstarter would be a good option. Um, it, it enables me to do some things that I I wouldn't otherwise do, like with the vinyl release, um, which is a I I understand is uh, I mean I, I it's it's a warmer sound it's more the analog sound and uh, I get get to do that and um, just uh, just looking forward to I, I probably have enough for for a couple albums so if if this uh, if this works out might uh, work on something else in the future too well why not I noticed that like today was I was did it launch today or launch a couple days ago uh, it launched last night mm-hmm. and um, you know. Yeah, and you've already got a ton of people giving you money. Donna, who called in, he put 50 bucks on the table. I paid Aww. my 15 so there's two fish nerds already supporting you, right? Because Donna yeah, wants the uh, vinyl. Yeah, well, he's from... Oh, New- nice. Donna is from... Uh, he's in North Carolina now. But yeah, so you're, you're going to have some... Hopefully, some more people doing it. I'll put links up at uh, fishnerds.com so people can... Uh, can link up to it and support you and get a copy of your record. What kind of beer are you drinking? I just saw a beer come across the screen. Oh, you're going to laugh at me. Um, <laughs> I went with the special. I don't even want to talk about what beer I'm drinking. It's, uh, come on. <laughs> okay, it's, it, it's the 22-ounce Bud Light that was on oh, the race board. <laughs> I'm so sad. <laughs> <laughs> the mystique is gone. Oh, so I was hoping you were going like, to give me some like IPA or some sort of like, you know, craft beer. <laughs> oh, I know. And Michigan is the best uh, independent beer state, too. We have is Bell's. It? Yeah, we have really a ton of, ton of great breweries here. But I just wasn't feeling it. I just decided, well, let, how about something light and watery? That'll be a nice way to end my day. Perfect. Perfect. Hey, speaking of light and watery, I'm going to play a uh, song, my favorite song from, from uh, one of your first albums I've ever heard. And uh, I was a science teacher for a while. And when I was teaching science, I would introduce my unit on evolution by playing uh, That's Evolution, one of my favorite songs you ever wrote. And so I'm going to play that right now. Well, I know a guy and he's always complaining. Cause he doesn't have a girlfriend So I decided that I should explain to him Why I think he has this problem I said the reason you're alone Has nothing to do with anything specific In fact, I think it's more scientific You see the characteristics that you portray Make women want to run away And though I can offer you no solution I think it's got something to do with evolution And that's Evolution That's evolution That's evolution Oh, right now Well, there's nothing you can do about natural selection So don't get so distressed over a barroom rejection Though I know you're in a very lonely situation At least you're saving a lot of hassle for the next generation And Charles Darwin put it best after He observed a penguin's nest Oh, John Scopes and Clarence Darrow the American mind was a little too narrow And that's evolution That's evolution That's evolution Jesse Pickerel, why don't you just take it away?
future Just to be cool because it might have adverse effects on your gene pool And I've noticed that those of us who are more physically attractive Are also likely to be sexually active And that, my friend, is evolution And that's evolution That's evolution That's evolution I got one more groovy little verse for ya well, we started out as apes, and that's not all Cause then we progressed to the Neanderthal And then the human beings began their reign And in a thousand years we'll all look the same And that's evolution That's evolution That's evolution I'm gonna say it again, even though I've said it about two dozen times now That's evolution when you're all by yourself and that's evolution when you're too much of a loser to find someone else And that's evolution when you can't get a date And that's evolution and it exists so you won't, mate Now I hope that you've listened to what I've had to say Cause without evolution we wouldn't be here today Sha-la-la-la-la All right, and we're back <laughs> while he's taking a drink of his beer, getting ready for his big uh, fish story story. <laughs> fish story <laughs> story. <laughs> all right, so we're back, Wally. Thank you for, uh, for all, you've, all the music you've made. Um, so you fish a little bit. Not you know, a lot. I do, but uh, there's a, you know, I'm a catch and release guy, mm -hmm. you know, catch bluegill and bass. And uh, Michigan is a, is a great state for fishing. Uh, last year, I went on a chartered boat in, uh, on Lake Huron, and mm -hmm. uh, we caught a walleye and uh, about three or four steelhead. Steelhead, oh, my God, that is amazing eating fish. I thought you were so just a minute ago you were catch and release. Now you're killing them. Oh, yeah. I kind of, <laughs> like, gave you a mixed message there. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't do it. I, I know that I don't necessarily want to be there when, when it happened. So the dudes on the chartered fishing boat did that for me. It's funny because I'm, I'm a charter now. I, I, I run a fishing service and I also, um, I like eating fish and don't like the part about killing them. I wish my clients would kill them and fillet them for me and save me yeah. that effort. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's awful. It's all about how you, how you phrase it. You know, you, do you like killing things? <laughs> <laughs> and. I don't know. You might you might end up with a weird clientele that way, though. I, well, we, we always end up with weird clientele. We're dealing with the public, so they're always going to be weird. So, uh, steelhead. Tell me more about um, about steelhead. Like, are they were they were they hard to catch? What were your techniques? Anything? Well, it was a chartered boat, so they you just pretty much have, have all the poles on the side, and then you don't do anything. You just sit there and try uh -huh. not to get sick. It was a real choppy day, mm -hmm. and uh, they pull them out, and they they. Uh, drained the blood and and they uh did everything and um but as i guess i didn't realize this until um that day but all a steelhead is is a trout that has gotten out of the ri river system and when it gets in the great lakes it gets really big and um kind of salmon like yeah it's a it's a rainbow trout biologically and same fish yeah and then out of washington state and in some of the rivers on the east coast if they're sea run they're steelheads if they're in a pond or a river all the time, they're rainbow trout. Same thing. But, yeah, exactly the same yeah. fish. And I've never caught a steelhead, but I've caught lots of rainbow trout. So I guess I've caught one, but don't know. Uh, and now, when, you, when you're fishing, what kind of music do you listen to? There was no music at the uh, chartered fishing boat. Uh, I actually have never listened to music while I was fishing. That's a great idea, though. I think yeah. I should 
maybe maybe do that. And uh, we were talking about uh, preparing fish earlier, and we we did um, a cedar plank mm -hmm. with um, kind of like a teriyaki kind of thing on a grill with the steelhead. That that worked pretty well. I how do you um, how do you generally prepare the trout that you catch? Or oh, I think I think trout taste disgusting. I. <laughs> <laughs> I can't figure out why you want to eat them. I don't like them. Um, I yeah, the best recipe I ever read for it was uh, it was trout wrapped in bacon, and uh, you take the uh, trout, wrap it in bacon, and you sear it in butter, and then uh -huh. you peel the bacon off, eat the bacon, and throw the trout in the trash. That was the uh, the best recipe I've ever read. <laughs> so, <laughs> just gross. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't like eating trout. <laughs> I love catching them, but I don't like to eat them. So wow. that's I yeah. Mean not a lot of people have that opinion about trout, but that's that's interesting. Well, a few years ago, I went on a quest to catch and eat every kind of fish in the state of New Hampshire, and I caught all of them, and I figured out trout are the least tasty of all the fish. And I kind of wow. lost interest. Yeah. What Was carp included in that? Yeah, carp are really delicious. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, they're totally good eaters. Yeah. You got to take the mud vein out? Is that what it's called? <laughs> Just mud vein, yeah. And, <laughs> and you got to be okay with lots of mercury and... <laughs> You know, you know, a little brain damage on the side is nice. In the yeah, that was that was the name of my grunge band from the '90s, Mudvane. <laughs> well, that's a great name. <laughs> no, actually, I wish, but no. no, no. If only you thought of that, then you <laughs> yeah. you you would have been the perfect alternative. You would have fit right in. <laughs> so that's really funny. Mudvane's great. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, carper carper super good, and they are brought to this country as a forage fish as food, and it never caught on. Wow. Yeah, yeah, because they're from Asia. It's like the opposite of of lobster, which which were like the the garbage food, you know, back in the seventeen hundreds, and then took off as a fancy fancy pants food. I, I just think it needs marketing. It needs a song about it or something, something to make people want to want to eat it. <laughs> it's carp, <laughs> but yeah, but what line, what carp sounds terrible just with the name by itself has that kind of hard end to it. So yeah, what, what rhymes with carp? Like Arf. It does. It has an R sound in the middle. So yeah. <laughs> maybe it's a pirate food. Carp. <laughs> I don't know. There's gonna be something you can do with that. How about uh, I'm also real fond of perch and, and walleye. Yes. yes. Very mild taste. Yeah, with, with uh walleye, the best cut of the walleye is the is the walleye cheeks. Have you eaten the cheeks out of the walleye? That's what I've heard. That's what the guy in the chartered fishing boat was telling me. Yep. Uh, well, they might be saying that just to watch you do it, or they might be true. There's two different <laughs> kinds of charter captains. <laughs> so, so you shouldn't eat the eyes then? Uh, <laughs> some say you should. I don't know. I've never done it. I'm not that uh, adventurous, so I get a little nervous. There's, there's some parts of the fish I'm okay with not eating. So <laughs> Eyes and lips. Lips are kind of weird, too. Yeah. So, Yeah. I'm so, having a great time just talking about fishing. I, I, I need to. I, I'm going to. I'm going to listen to the show from now on. It's it's uh, actually a really interesting subject and, and done very well. Well, thank you. News, news, fish in the news. Everybody loves their fish in the news. I love fish in the news. The the band is called Diana's Bath Salts. And uh, they're, they're just terrific <laughs> local band here in, in uh, North Conway, New Hampshire. Is right, it, so, what, what genre is it? Like, a, uh, they a, play um, mostly '90s alternative music. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like, like like Nirvana and Weezer and. Well, Mudvayne could open for them. Mudvayne would be a great opening act. 
Yeah, my 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 uh, my band in the '90s was called the Fly Traps, and none of us could play a single instrument, so we didn't we didn't get very far because we, we we thought you could just pick up a guitar and make noise on it and sing, and it turns out you actually have no chords, and that never worked out for us. Well, that was a interesting, you know, that could could have been a selling point, some something different, you know. It, you know, wouldn't it be a big stretch? Nirvana wasn't that good, so why not? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so fish in the news. First up, this is from the New York Times, so you know it's legit. Uh, and the the headline is cosmetic surgery for a pet fish in Asia. This one of a this one is king of the tank. And so apparently in uh, Singapore. Uh, Raising fish is a status symbol. So Eugene, uh, and the last name is spelled N-G. There's no vowels in it. So U- Eugene uh, Ng <laughs> jabbed a pudgy finger against the side of this glass tank like a predator singling out his unlucky target. That fish's eye is looking a little droopy, said Mr. Ng, pointing to the fish's eye. Uh, minutes later, the fish was knocked out, uh, and he got an eye lift, a procedure that has become standard practice uh, in the what? premier cosmetic surgeon agent's arowana fish in singapore so these fish this this specific species of fish um their value ranges from like three thousand to twenty thousand dollars and people who have them they have them as a status symbol so if you have Uh this fish it means you're from a wealthy family you've got value but how the fish look is very important so his fish had these droopy eyes and it got a facelift to make the eye back in place now the funny thing about this story well there's a lot of funny (laughs) story is uh, is uh, the the doctor says I know some people think it's cruel to the fish, but really I'm doing it a favor because now the fish looks better and, and its owner will love them even more. So what they're doing, <laughs> what they're doing for the fish is giving the facelift so their owner become more attracted to them, and the fish's self esteem will be improved. That's what the doctor is saying. There. Wow. Yeah, and that's real story. That's that's a real thing. That is insane. I mean, I would I would probably want my fish to have like a I don't know instead of a eye lift maybe a, like a cat pelt. Oh, know, that would be yeah, like something totally off the charts kind well, of. Well, the the cat pelt's a great idea because like imagine you're a fish, right? A cat would eat a fish, mm-hmm. but now you're wearing the cat. You want yeah. to intimidate your other fish friends? That cat pelt would be where it's at. Now, what would you pay for a? Uh, Fishy eye lift, do you think? Oh, man. I, I was just thinking about that. Um, I'd say 200 bucks. Only 90 bucks for the eye lift. Oh, wow. You know, for, for a fish that could be worth $300,000, 90 bucks for, you know, it, look, if you got a $300,000 fish, the eye lift is worth the money. Um, how about a chin job? You want to get that chin of that fish just, just right? What do you think you'd pay for that? Oh, like a fish Botox kind of thing? Exactly. Oh, I'd say, well, since the first one was 90, I'm going to say 110. 60 bucks. So what oh. a bargain. What a bargain. Wow. Yeah. So now in this communist country, it's hard to have a lot of money. So that you have to be part of like the royal family to be doing this. But they're totally doing it. They're also doing it to arowana is the fish in the picture. And we'll have pictures at fishnerds.com. But they're also doing it to stingrays uh, and uh, any, any other species of fish that looks a little bit funky. Just now knock them out and give them a facelift. If I was a um, fish plastic surgeon, I, would, mm-hmm. I was thinking I could maybe take the fish and say I was going to do the plastic surgery and get your money. But then just 
switch it with another fish that that's a better looking fish just lie yeah and then you know then you you they never know no because and then you and you can keep the fish the other one and then the other yeah. fish you took you can give to somebody else who wants droopy eyed fish <laughs> right so you just have this kind of like it's like this big shell game or or i could just have a whole armada of ugly fish <laughs> I have the ugliest fish collection there is. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect. So anyway, that's um that's real news, man. Like that's that's the kind of stuff we're talking about in the world these days, you know. And I think in our in our in our modern times, we're worried about world peace and violence in the world. Uh, fish surgery is definitely the story we should be discussing. I know. I'm glad we're sorting this out too, and and getting to the bottom of it. Yeah. Hey, speaking of getting the bottom, uh, the bottom of things from sciencemag.org is our next story. And headline here is this robo fish is so realistic. It can film fish without frightening them. Uh, so scientists have created a, um, a new robot fish and they've been, they've been working on robot fishes for years. They used to look like, like really clunky and like very Wizard of Oz robots. And those uh-huh. robots would scare other fish. Finally, they've made a robot fish that swims like a real fish. It doesn't scare other fish. Uh, and now they can use that to study things. Now, what I'm worried about is what's going to happen when this real looking fish gets eaten by another real fish. So, who are you waving at? Oh, I'm, I'm waving at uh, my friend Jen. She's, oh. uh, she's playing music tonight. Everybody's been walking by and being like, why, why does Wally have ear things in and what's what's going on with this and he's we know he's weird but why is he being extra weird tonight right on open night open mic night you should be singing here you are chatting on your uh, earbuds it's it's worked out great um and we were talking about the the fish mm-hmm. so you said they've been working on it for a long that's now who is this they <laughs> that's a really good question so <laughs> <laughs> let me let me read part of the article here. So the the company is called SoFi uh, for soft robotic fish. Um, step up from previous generations of robotic fish because it can be maneuvered up and down to depths of eighteen meters. There's a fisheye okay. camera, of course, fisheye lens camera where its mouth would be perfectly positioned to capture the action up ahead. And the robot doesn't just look like a fish; it also moves like one, undulating its its tail to propel propel itself. For, I can't read more. Propel itself through water. Uh, scientists at SoFi took six testrons and coral reefs uh, in Fiji to test this thing out and make sure it works. Um, now, when I say they've been working on it, lots of different companies have been making RoboFish over the years, and they all look very strange. Uh, and there's even a company, Wally, you like this. There's a company that takes uh, a little robot, you stick in dead fish, and it makes a dead fish look alive. And it's actually a bait people use for fishing called Zombait, oh. unrelated oh, to this cool. company. Yeah, but it's like wow. if, you have, if you're using a mullet, dead mullet for bait, you put a little ro- robot inside the dead mullet and drop it in the water and, it, and you drive it like a robot and it catches you bigger fish. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you now, can actually control uh, the, the fish movement, uh, the bait movement a little better because it's got a robot in it. A little bit, yeah. So uh, although, um, have you ever snorkeled before? Yeah, I did in Hawaii. It was gorgeous. Did you find the fish to be that afraid of you? Well, interesting story. We went out to this uh, place. It was off of Maui, and it was this crescent moon-shaped kind of island thing. And we were out there, and I kind of went away from the group. And I, I was snorkeling all around, around and, and all of a sudden, there was these dead fish that were falling down in front of me. And I, and I looked up, 
and there was a, a rowboat, and they were throwing dead fish out of the rowboat, and they're, they're coming down. And then I looked down, and there were barracuda eating the dead fish, and I thought, well, I should probably go somewhere else. <laughs> you, you were in the water snorkeling when this was happening? Yeah, I was, I was un, in the water, and then there was a boat under uh, above me that was throwing dead fish, <laughs> and there was barracuda underneath me. And, um, but they so you were between the bait and the fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's a good. <laughs> they, they were kind of far away. I mean, they were they were probably maybe ten, twenty feet <coughs> below me, but still that's amazing. I mean, it, yeah, it was a good time to move for sure. It is a good time now. Fish. I, I found that when I'm snorkeling, fish aren't that afraid of me. So, I, like, I wonder how scary does a robot fish have to be to really scare a fish? <laughs> right. <laughs> it would probably looks like uh, Dory. It's probably just a toy dory from from yes swimming around going hello fishies <laughs> yeah. yeah huge eyes yeah that oh, would scare him worst. I bet it scares me <laughs> so. keep swimming swim away swim away all right so so that's news let's uh let's take a little break and we're gonna jump in with fish of the day we have uh, fish guy Josh and Doc Martin got together to talk about spotted bass. So here's a little little fishy uh, information about the spotted bass. Hey, I need two seafood platters and a fish of the day. A what? A fish of the day! All right, fish nerds, welcome back. And by the sound of the busy restaurant and the seafood orders, you know that it is time for another episode of Fish of the Day with our good friend, Doc Martin. Hello. Hey, everybody. And this time that you hear me, I'm going to do a lot less cursing than the last time <laughs> that you heard me on the fish nerds. <laughs> hey, I'm, so. I'm, not, I'm not judging. <laughs> it was all in fun, right? <laughs> of course. Well, um, you know, Doc, let's let's just dive right in today. Um, today we're doing a fish that um, I requested because it mm-hmm. is a fish that I have recently been targeting on my trips home to San Diego when I go to visit. And that is the spotted bay bass or spotted sand bass. So uh, what'd you find for me? Sure. So um, first, just in general, this fish is um, really abundant. Um, It's not imperiled or anything. It's a pretty popular fish. A lot of you, if you go and Google it, you would probably recognize it if you've been um, out on the West Coast uh, or in Mexico, anywhere out there. Um, but I was very surprised with the actual, like, peer-reviewed scientific literature. Um, there's really not a whole hmm. lot. So that was pretty shocking to me for something so kind of, I think, maybe popular. Um, it's a sport fish. It's certainly there, reef-associated with other things. But there's really not a whole lot of actual research done with it. So Interesting. Did you... thought I'd have to start with that little tidbit. Did you find, <laughs> um, did you find much about... Any kind of time period of like decreased numbers from the little bit of reading I, I do mostly on like uh, fishing websites and stuff like that. Like I know typically nowadays a lot of people do catch and release on them because they, I guess, a lot of the fishermen claim that they're sort of vulnerable 
um, to population declines because they're they're only really found in the 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 bays and harbors along the coast. Like you don't find them much out in the actual ocean. And I'm curious if you if you kind of confirm that or found something different. Um, so in general, um, all the uh, IUCN and literature that I read, there doesn't seem to be any particular concern about these guys. Mm -hmm. However, um, there's also not a lot of actual research looking yeah. at these population dynamics. The one study that I ran across talked about how even though they're kind of along that West Coast area, there are different populations that are distinct and that raises a few red flags just for me personally so if they are not one huge big intermixing population yeah. and you have these smaller little populations um, those tend to be probably a little bit more um, vulnerable to fishing pressures yeah. than if they were all intermixed and everything so but I can't, I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> that statement. <laughs> I mean, that, that makes sense to me just because I've hit up a few different areas for them and, you know, places like San Diego Bay, which is huge, has a pretty, pretty healthy population. And then there's like a, a small area a little further north called like Dana Point Harbor. And it's really tiny. So I could assume that the spotteds in there probably are a little more susceptible. But yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, so um, speaking of spotted sand bass and some interesting stuff about <laughs> it, you know how much I love etymology. I right? do. So <laughs> I think everybody does. It's not a secret anymore. Um, <laughs> so the scientific name for the spotted sand bass is Paralabrix. So that's the genus, and it comes from Greek. So para means the side, and then the end, that labrix, is basically a fish. So it's the side of a fish. The side of a fish. <laughs> and there you <laughs> Sounds go. Sounds exciting. And then the, that's very exciting. Well, very um, astute observation, I think. <laughs> and then um, the species name is Maculato fasciatus. So it's kind of a mouthful but that <laughs> mostly comes from latin so the maculato means stained or spotted um, and then the last part the fasciatus means bundled or banded so basically the side of this fish i assume is probably spotted or banded based just on the name alone how do you feel about that, that? <laughs> you know that hits the nail right on the head they are spotted with with sort of a faint bands underneath the spotting um, so that's is. right on the money. And, and I, I will say part of the reason I, um, you know, as, as we were discussing before the recording that um, this is a fish where, you know, I didn't fish much in San Diego when I first moved there. And I was I was really more into different water sports like surfing and scuba and stuff. And now that I moved up to the Bay Area where some of that's a little more limited and I've been getting back into fishing, this is a, a species I've been targeting. But one of the reasons I targeted it is just man it is a cool looking fish it just looks amazing yeah i saw some pictures of it it's really really pretty um but i'm also biased because i kind of think most fish are really pretty. well of course um 
And I was wondering, what's the have, have you had any success catching these in general? I've only been out a few times, kind of in the worst part of the year to do it, and I have not. But I went out with a buddy, and he he nailed a really nice size spotted bass. It was his personal best, and uh, I was pretty excited that he nailed it. Um, although, on a side note, I did. Instead, uh, last time I went down, I tried to fish for it and I didn't have any luck, but I reeled in the biggest specklefin midshipman I've ever seen. And when I did the research, it actually ended up being near like the max size they've ever been recorded. And I was pretty excited about that. But unfortunately, no spotted bass yet. But when I go back for Comic-Con in July, it is on my list and I am catching one of those things. So you're going to go not only to Comic-Con, but with an ulterior motive of catching spotted sand bass. Not only am I going to do both of those activities. Very nerdy because I Because I will be doing, you know, we're going to take our spearfishing gear. Typically, we, we rent a car or fly down when we go to San Diego. But this is sort of our long vacation. And so we drive down so we can take all the spearfishing gear, all the wetsuits, etc., but not only am I doing those two activities while I'm down there, I have a travel rod and reel that fits in my backpack and Comic-Con is right on the water on the bay in San Diego. So I will be attending Comic-Con, then walking out the building and fishing off the docks because that's one of the ideal habitats for catching these fish. So I will be nerding it up that is from so the nerdy. comic <laughs> aspect and then i will be the total nerd and bust out my collapsible fishing pole to go catch fish while i wait for the next nerdy event at comic <laughs> um, so i'm gonna ask a question that i know the entire fish nerd nation needs an answer okay. to is what are you going to dress up as and please tell me you're going to keep that outfit on as you go fishing i so typically i don't do um costumes when i go but what i do is i have aquatic nerd themed t-shirts that i wear every day so i have uh like an aquaman an aqualad um the sea lab 2021 cartoon um things like that however my boss uh as a gift for christmas gave me um a red beanie like the life aquatic movie uh, a huge fan. Yes. yes. One of my favorite <laughs> movies, of course. And I have always had and worn with pride at Comic-Con my my Team Zisu intern shirt, like the interns wore in the movies. And so uh -huh. now that I have the hat, uh, I will go on sat Saturdays, typically the major day for costumes. So I will dress up as a Team Zisu intern that day and will try and plan to go fishing and have someone take my photo. That's... <laughs> the best answer I could have ever hoped for. <laughs> um, I, w I wonder if one day you could dress up as Zizu and then the next day, the other best fish nerd outfit, you should obviously dress up as Clay, right? <laughs> I could do a, 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 a Comic-Con Clay day. That could be interesting. <laughs> It'd be a very small subset of people that would get that one. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Uh, okay. Let, I digress. digress. Let's get back to the fish here. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm going to laugh about that later. <laughs> okay. 
So we have covered a little bit about etymology of the spotted sand bass. Um, they are out on the West Coast where you are, California, mm -hmm. Mexico, stuff like that. Um, they are reef associated out there. So they have um, more of the kind of shallower water, no deeper than about 60 meters, give or take. Yeah. That's about 200 feet. I try really hard to do both metric and non-metric measurements, but I don't always remember. Um, it feeds on small fishes and benthic crustaceans during the day. So I bet that you probably do your fishing for these at some point during the day. And what kind of bait do you, do you use? They are, you know, one of the reasons they're so popular down there is they're essentially a saltwater version of fishing for largemouth bass. So pretty much anything uh -huh. you use... For largemouth, you can try on those guys. Swim baits, uh, jerk baits, uh, grub, stuff like that. And like you said, reef associated, you, you basically throw toward the structures. A lot of people that have boats will just cruise down the, the, the docks in San Diego Bay and just cast at a piling, let it sink. And then they'll usually get, in, get it nailed on the drop sometimes or a, a slow retrieval. Very, very much very much behaves like a largemouth bass oh very cool and these guys are also um like i, I hate saying like largemouth bass i want to watch myself a little <laughs> bit but they have uh tolerations of pretty significant temperature fluctuations mm -hmm. which is really neat so they can get down to like 45 uh, degrees fahrenheit up to 90 that's seven and a half to 32 celsius out there <laughs> <laughs> um and they can survive some pretty extreme cold intervals. So I assume that they're pretty resilient little critters. So that might be one of the reasons why maybe um, we're not too concerned yeah. about maybe fluctuations in populations, but not concerned about population degradation over yeah. time. I and I would assume that's so. that's probably why they're such, uh, so well suited for uh, life in like the bay where we're getting a little more freshwater influx, temperature influx. Um, there's a lot of um, factors from human activity there that they can withstand a little better than some of the other fish found on the Pacific coast. Uh, that, that would be my guess at least. Yeah, it so sounds like they're they're made to tolerate all the nonsense that humans put them through, yeah. huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, along with that, they are moderately fast growing, and they only live about you know ten, maybe to thirteen years old. Okay. So they're not long lived. They mature relatively quickly, and that's really great characteristics for a robust species to deal with fishing pressures yeah. and environmental changes so makes sense yeah and then um so you said your friend caught a pretty big uh spotted sand bass at some point in the past yeah. do you do you remember how big it was um you know it was pushing probably eight inches no bigger than 10 and i know typically there's there's a couple other uh, bass in Southern California, uh, uh, sea bass that um, are similar to spotted sand bass. They're a little bigger. So if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. spotted sand bass are kind of on the smaller end of the three main bass people fish for, which would be spotted bass, um, I think barred sand bass and kelp bass. 
Yeah, so these guys get like a really big max size for these guys is about 12 inches. Yeah. That's about six pounds, give or take. So, yeah, it sounds like you guys caught one that's pretty close to about as big as yeah. they'll get. Very cool. Very yeah, cool. he was he was yeah, pretty excited. Cool. It was a great great fish. Yeah, and speaking of fun fun great fish, so <laughs> um, it's always fun, uh, especially to talk to uh, a wonderful friend like you. We know each other so well; we've never met in real life, so we should obviously talk about reproduction, right? Because <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Um, uh. You're welcome for that. <laughs> okay. So anyway, uh, these guys are pelagic spawners. So pelagic just means in the water column. And it used to be thought there was a study done in the past on one subpopulation. If you remember before, I said they are kind of distinct populations. Yeah. They're not just one huge population. And so originally what happened is someone went out um, and took a bunch of samples and tried to sex the fish that they caught and they dis described them as um protogeny so this is where they change sex from a female to a male oh. um and so that was kind of considered a pretty norm thing but they've done more and more studies and they're saying well no maybe it's just uh gonochorism and what that means is that there's just uh one sex so whatever you are however whatever sex the fish is born with is what they they keep okay. forever um and it turns out that it's even more complicated than that <laughs> um so they actually it depends on the population in which you're studying whether those fish tend to stay the same sex their whole life or if they change as they hmm. grow up which i think is really interesting and I, i'm Another thing I'm a little disappointed about is that there's not a lot of real research that has set in stone exactly what's going on. So this is all very still te tentative. Yeah. And wow, that's really um, interesting. I know. It's and so sex change in fish is not super rare. That is something we've talked about on yeah. the show before. Um, with you know Finding Nemo and how that would have actually gone in real life and all that fun stuff. <laughs> um, but it's just interesting that we don't know. I, we have an idea, but we don't really know for certain. And I think that's something that absolutely needs looked hmm. at. Yeah, especially considering how popular they are. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. You'd think that there would just be a lot more information written down in some kind of confident way. Yeah. And that's not the case. <laughs> hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> um. Let's see. I have a couple more little things. Um, apparently, they are relatively secretive. So when you see them out and about, um, they like to hide from you, and they're not—they're not as bold as other fish. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that would be something that you might notice if you were diving or snorkeling, as opposed to actually just fishing. Mm -hmm. That would be my assumption there. Um, but I've never snorkeled with these guys, so I have no experience of my own. Um, and then another really cool bit of research. Um, these two scientists did a paired study. One came out in 2004 and one in 2005. And the first one looked at just does the amount of light affect the uh, feeding intensity of 
the larval stage of these guys. So they are daytime predators. They're out during the day when it is light out. So it's a relatively logical assumption that light is important. They can see their prey with Hmm. it, right? And so they did a cool study where they just said, okay, we're going to change and have, you know, really low light and then levels in between and then really high light and see if that changes how well these fish feed. And the answer is yes, it hmm. does. Okay. So it really, at really low light levels, they're not very good um, at finding food. Interesting. They're not as yeah, good. Because I, I know I I've say. seen posts of anglers on like the Fish Brain app uh, where they are catching them at night, but I mean, definitely way less of a frequency than... Um, than the daytime fishing, for sure. Yep, and so uh, your anecdotal evidence from fishermen definitely corroborates the scientific study, so that's great. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the, so the second study that these guys did, so once they figure that out, that light does matter, I don't think that was particularly surprising, but how much does it matter? Yeah. So if you have these juveniles and it tends to be darker over a longer period of time. Um, if, if they survive, do those ones that had lower light grow up to be as healthy as the other ones? Mm. And the answer to that is no. Mm. So that initial kind of first five days or however, maybe not five days. Okay. However long (laughs) the first initial is from when they start feeding, um, it actually doesn't take very long for that to have permanent adverse effects on the individual, which is really interesting. So So it's all about how they first get first get going. Mm hmm. Hmm. Just which is pretty cool because, yeah, I mean, that's. I just think that's just an interesting it's thing. It's just like, you know, human development. They have all these radio commercials here about the, the California first five. It's like the first five years, you got to do this, this, and this for your kids. So I guess it makes sense mm-hmm. that, you know, every animal kind of has that crucial period right when they get started that things can mm-hmm. go one way or the other. Yes, and I would think that food would probably be a big one for uh, most things. Yeah. <laughs> kind of need it. <laughs> Very cool. All righty. Well, that's yeah. a few interesting facts to take with me when I target target my new uh, my new species here. Very cool. Yeah, and you'll have to post some of those photos when you catch them. I'm sure you'll ca- you're going to catch the record. I definitely right? will post any <laughs> photos I get, especially if it's a record. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And I don't have anything else um, this time. So, any last final thoughts? Well. Um, <laughs> All you fellow fish nerds out there, especially you guys that aren't familiar with California fishes, definitely just check these fish out on the web. Um, Really cool fish. They look so awesome to me. I I don't know what it is. I mean, I I love all fish and they are all very interesting to me, but something about the way this fish looks is just real striking to me. Like I would love to to have one of these in an aquarium or something just because they look so freaking cool. All right. Well, there you have it. This is the spotted sand bass. We're all going to go Google it and appreciate its splendor. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) Well, thank you once again, Doc. It's been a pleasure as always. And I look forward to our next uh, jaunt into fish of the day. I also look forward to it. And if any of the fans out there have a recommendation, you can always holler at 
um, Josh or me on the face Fish Nerds Facebook page. That's a mouthful. <laughs> that is. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I will see you next go around, Doc. All right. Take it All easy. All right. See ya. This episode of the Fish Nerds is brought to you by you, our listeners, over at Patreon.com. If you want to support this podcast, please help us crowdfund it. Go to Patreon.com slash Fish Nerds. Give us a dollar an episode, $4 a month, and you'll be our very, very best friend. If you give us $2 an episode, that's $8 a month. I'll give you a Fish Nerds hoorag. If you give us $5 an episode, you get a Fish Nerds hat. If you give us $25 an episode, you can be a Fish Nerds Patreon sponsor like our friend Rich Collins. Rich Collins owns Thirst Productions and he does website SEO marketing and uh, website development and he can help get your podcast or your website high ranking in Google. Uh, So check him out at thirstproductions.com. Also our friend Josh Lopes gives it that number and he is a tax guy. So go to lopestax.com if you're in Massachusetts and ask Josh to help you with your taxes. So anyway, crowdfund our, our show by going to patreon.com slash fishnerds. We really need your money. Helps us a lot. And it may someday put our kids through college. Uh, that, that seems unlikely. But anyway, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I'm here with uh, with my daughters, Zoe and Sammy. Zoe is uh, 11 years old. Sammy is 8 years old. And they're going to do selected readings from Wally Pleasance's book. So without further ado... Here are Zoe and Sam with 101 uh, oyster jokes. What did the oyster have for lunch? Abalone sandwich. (laughs) What was the oyster's favorite fairy tale? Goldilocks and the Three Barracudas. How did the oyster get tickets to the Dolphins game? He bought them from a scalloper. What did the oyster do when he became deaf? He got a herring aid. What do you call an oyster that holds a baby octopus for ransom? A squid napper. <laughs> All right, what do you think of those jokes? I think the first one is funny, the second one's funny. Um, and the fourth one's funny, but I don't know about the others. I like those. Um, they're all funny, um, except for one that I don't get at all, the scalloper. Yeah, me too. I don't get that one either. Okay, thank you, girls. Bye! Thank you! If you want to hear the first Wally Pleasant release in more than ten years, if you think miracles can still happen if you like America please contribute today Grandma.
bass earlier i'm sorry yeah go ahead what's your feeling about e- eating bass do you think well, yeah so bass are delicious they're, they're super delicious a lot of bass fishermen will not eat them there's entire uh entire facebook groups called don't eat bass but in, up uh, in michigan and new hampshire bass are technically an invasive species uh, they're from uh, the southern United States, Tennessee, and Florida, and all those kind of uh, countries, all the states down there. And they are brought up here uh, just to be caught by fishermen. Okay. And, and so as a non-native species, not a big deal to eat them, and they're delicious. They're, they're just yummy, a nice white flaky meat. I like them uh, just pan-seared and blackened. Uh, but I don't eat them very often because um, when I post photos of me cooking fish uh, bass, I get a lot of bad emails. And oh. Yeah, bass fishermen and PETA people are the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started thinking about it a few years ago when I saw the movie um, Napoleon Dynamite, and he said, mm-hmm. I caught you a delicious bass. And then I thought, well, do people eat bass? Pe- people guess- do. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, and they're, and they're really, really good. And the trick, thing about, funny thing about bass, Wally, is bass are not in the bass family. They're in the sunfish family. So they're close cousins to uh, your bluegill, your pumpkin seeds, rock bass, smallmouth bass, uh, crappies. They're all in the same family of fishes. But bass, bass are not in the bass family of fishes. They're not a bass. Oh. They're a sunfish. They seem more athletic than sunfish and crappie. Right. They're like if a sunfish was like a basketball player. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're definitely, and they're bigger and bullies. I mean, more like more, and basketball, more like uh, football, like really bulls. Right. Yeah, they're juicing. Yeah, they're totally juicing. But they're they're great. They're fun to catch. And without them, what would we do? We'd just be talking about trout all the time. And who wants to eat trout? Yeah, and you're anti-trout. That's amazing. I'm gonna remember that. Yeah, I mean, I ate one uh, a couple months ago uh, this winter, and I was just really sad that I killed it because it just tasted so bad. Now, what about steelhead, which is, you know, just a bigger version, but kind of the meat is kind of more, more salmon-y. Yeah, no, so I, I don't love salmon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so although um, salmon season opens for us Sunday, which will be three days ago when this is released, so we're going to be, this podcast coming out Wednesday, so yeah, and I'll be keeping a salmon this, this week and eating one and seeing if I like it. So far, though, I don't love salmon. Overrated. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, I'm funny about <laughs> fish. So. And, they, and they, they travel thousands of miles just to have sex and die. Is that what salmon do? Well, what so your, your Pacific salmon, like your Chinooks and your Silvers and your Kings, they do that for sure. But your Atlantic salmon, which you guys have in Michigan and we have out here in New Hampshire, they can spawn and then head back to their waters and then head back to spawn again. They can repeat the process a few times. Okay. So the true, your true salmon, like your Chinooks, die your Atlantic salmon don't. We have Atlantic salmon here in New Hampshire. Uh, I think in Huron, where you guys are, you've got everything. I think, I, think, I think they threw Chinooks in your lake years ago. But they're not I, native. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, really uh, 
in in Michigan, it's kind of interesting. Um, the Lake Michigan side is the big touristy side. We get a lot of people from Chicago that that have vacation homes there, and it's like really crowded. And also, the beaches are really sandy. Um, the Huron side of the state is is rocky, and it and it kind of feels like you got that whole coastline to yourself. It's really it's really quite quite cool. And then you drive you you go. 50 miles across the lake and there's there's a whole other country you know it's kind of kind of interesting too yeah you know i funny i've never been in the middle of the country i don't understand why people would be that far from the ocean so i never go inland that far <laughs> it seems strange to me someday i'm going to get out get out your way and and uh, check out that world because i hear it's a different planet of people different planet of fishing and uh, those big lakes are really appealing in a lot of ways. But my, I grew up on the on my dad was in the Coast Guard, so I grew up on both coasts. And so I get these, I get nervous when I go too far inland. I see. Is, yeah, it's bizarre to me. Uh, yeah, Michigan <laughs> is uh, an interesting state because uh, there's always a destination. You go north. There's the Upper Peninsula. It, it's gorgeous up there. Then you go east or west. You got a Great Lake. And then south, you got the whole rest of the country. And uh, um, but as a as a, uh, did you do fishing with your dad when he was in the Coast Guard at all? Oh, for, yeah, I grew up fishing uh, all over California, Washington, New Jersey, New York. Wow. Yeah, but but uh, never on fresh water until I was until I moved to New Hampshire. And now I just fish fresh water. So I'm now I'm prepped up. I'm ready to go. I should go do it now. Michigan's like a big dead end, right? It's like a, it's a peninsula. Yeah. So like, do people just do just odd people funnel up to Michigan from the, from the south and they get stuck there and they can't get out? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a big bridge that goes from the upper to the lower peninsula. Um, uh -huh. and then when you look at the map, really the upper peninsula should technically be Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. What happened was. Michigan and Ohio almost went to war over. Um, they both wanted to have Toledo. And <laughs> Who wants Toledo? No one wanted Toledo. That's weird. Exactly. That's, uh, they, they both wanted it, and then the federal government intervened, and then they they said, "Okay, Ohio can have Toledo, but we're going to give Michigan the Upper Peninsula." <laughs> the Upers. Yeah. The Upers. Now it's good that you didn't become Wisconsin because your accent would be wacky. Then it would just be hard to hang out. <laughs> so. Yeah, was it, I think there is a, a certain Great Lakes accent where we're a little harder on the on the R's there. Yeah. yeah, I don't hear it in your voice, but I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, we got a uh, caller calling in with a Stump the Fish Nerds question. You got a few more minutes? Oh, absolutely. So uh, Reed from Minnesota called in. He called 607-378-FISH. That's the Fish Nerds hotline. 607-378-FISH. Hi, Clay. This is Reed from Minnesota. I've got a question. I want to know what happens to the carp, the common carp, in the middle of winter. I ice fish uh, lakes deep and shallow all over the water column. Every body of water I fish in has common carp, and yet I never catch one in the winter. I never hear of anybody catching one in the winter. I've never seen it. What do they do? Where do they go? I haven't picked up piles of them on my flasher or, or anything. So I'm just curious about that. Please tell me. So I did a little research what's going on on common carp, and you're going to like this, Wally, mm -hmm. because you drink, right? 
I drink? Yeah, you're a drinker. You're an, alco- you're it, an alcoholic, is it, right? Is it that obvious? It's so so obvious. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, But I've done a little bit of research on the carp and what happens to their metabolism. And here's the interesting thing about carp and everything in the middle family, but carp especially and goldfish, is um, when, when they're on the ice for a long time, it gets really cold, the oxygen level drops uh, and, they, and they're and their their body actually changes, and so they become basically alcoholics under the ice. They become drunk. So scientists discovered how goldfish and their wild ilk survive months of winter in frozen over lakes in the water. The answer is alcohol, uh, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Uh, there aren't many vertebrates that can survive without oxygen. However, goldfish and their relatives like carp uh, share a genetic mutation that allows them to anaerobically convert excess lactic acid into ethanol and flush it in their lungs. So their wow. lactic acid turns to alcohol. They flush it over their lungs and they get drunk for the winter. That's how carp spend the winter. They just blast. I never it. realized how awesome it is to be a carp. It's they make their own alcohol. It's only a few fish can do this. Um, and so the so the, that's why they're not eating a lot. They're just basically numbing their brains for the months of winter until it warms up and they can start eating again. And so you don't catch a lot of fish, a lot of carp through the ice. You see them, uh, but they're usually swimming sideways and crashing a lot. Uh, they're making bad choices. Uh, they have a really hard time uh, saying the right things. A lot of them get divorced over the winter, uh, all because of the lactic acid turning into uh, <laughs> turning into uh, alcohol. They would be uh, easy but to people, steer, though. That's right. Yeah, and you can and you can you can oh yeah, cuz they're just laying there, right? They're just going, "Oh, I don't feel so good." But then people um, might be calling up and saying, "Oh, you can't do that. You can't talk about spearing a carp." That's so wrong. No, people do spear. Don't, no one loves carps. You can say whatever oh. you want about carp. Okay. Uh, and 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 it's it's one of the few like if you said horrible things about trout, like they don't taste good, you'll get letters. Or if right. you say it's okay to eat bass, you'll get emails. But if you say kill carp and throw them on the shore and let the birds eat them. People are like, yeah, that's cool. Do that. <laughs> Not a problem. Because no one likes a drunk, Wally. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other part of his question was, uh, is can you catch them ice fishing? The answer is yes. People catch them all the time ice fishing. I'll put a link at fishnerds.com to an in-fisherman magazine of ice fishing for carp. But I think the state record in Massachusetts was caught through the ice last winter. And they caught this huge carp, too big for the ice fishing hole. The fisherman had to reach down the hole, grab it by its gills, and hold on while someone got a chainsaw and cut a bigger hole in the ice to land it. So they can catch carp through the ice. Wow. Have you caught a carp before? No, I don't think I have ever caught a carp. I you were talking about fish under the ice, and made me think of this video I saw one time um, just recently. It was a it was a lake in Upper Michigan, and under the ice, it looked like a shark. It was like it was like eight feet long, swimming around, and it was a it was a sturgeon. Oh yes, but, uh, very Did- prehistoric looking or shark shark like in that in that in that angle, but I know they're not, you know, actually shark. shark well, well, they're, they're not that far apart given the evolution. Like the sharks are like old and they haven't changed much. Neither have sturgeon really cool fish. I've never seen a sturgeon in real life. It's one of my, like my dream fish. Now I know in uh, Minnesota, they, uh, not Minnesota, Wisconsin, they spear for them. And oh. I always feel a little bad when I see a, uh, 
a sturgeon getting killed. I'm always like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, because they live for like 120 years or something. And they do, and they're so cool and weird looking. But yeah, people spear them and they eat them. And um, a lot of the people love the caviar from them. Have you had caviar? I believe so. I, I've had uh, uh, the the row that they put on sushi a lot, but I don't think that's sturgeon. Uh, um, but yeah, it's it's gross. Um, yeah, it's kind of an acquired <laughs> taste, I guess. Yeah, yeah, acquired taste means gross. That's, uh, that's what so that means. is is the meat of a sturgeon? Is it like a like real beefy, like swordfish or shark or something? Uh, my assumption is it is, but I've never had it, so I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, but it, I mean, it, it's, it's so shark-like. I'd imagine it tastes has that kind of sweet, meaty shark flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but who knows? I've never done it. Wow. I've, I've never done it. Who's playing music right now? Let me see. Um, it's kind of anticlimactic, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. For, for <laughs> it's such a strange interview, Wally. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm really thankful that I um, I was kind of in a tight spot because I uh, I'm not really technically advanced, and I I was I saw the the thing you sent me. I'm thinking, oh, there's no way in heck I could do this, and uh, and then I I asked asked my girlfriend she said she she could but then she made plans to come here so uh so this this worked out way better than i even had planned it, it having a great time yeah and and for those uh, for listeners uh wally and i were talking at like four this morning on facebook and we planned this whole thing so we really didn't put a lot of thought into like what we were going to do and how we were going to do it it was really like you want to do this and we're like uh-huh let's do it and then here we are so it was yeah. It was kind of last minute. And we're here to promote your Kickstarter campaign for your new album. What's it called? It's called um, Happy Hour. There's a, there's a song on, uh, on it called Happy Hour as well. So I guess that would be the title track. <laughs> Fancy music lingo. Very, very clever. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, you can support that by just go to fishners.com and click in the show notes. And you'll find a link to the Kickstarter campaign so you can support Wally's new big record. Make him famous. Uh, well deserved, <laughs> and, and check out the rest of the movie music. I was on Spotify today. You're all over Spotify. You're all over. Uh, you're all over the place. And your website, people can get custom music made at your website. So you'll you'll do songs for people. Oh yeah, I was mentioning that earlier. The, yeah. the one about the um, <laughs> currently working on one of, for for a guy um, that wanted a song written for his friend, and and it's really mean spirited, and. Um, one of the things that the guy said was that he's a, uh, he's a big guess who fan. So I was going to do it, a parody of these eyes, but, yep. but this guy <laughs> that has diabetes. That's mostly what he wants me to write about how he has diabetes. <laughs> that's so, so ripe for humor. Yeah, it really is. I mean, this guy, he's going to get his foot sawed off, you know, and it just, <laughs> It's, yeah. it's awful, yeah. And, and he, he also says the the phrase "truth be told" uh, like almost before every sentence. Well, he anyone says. who says that a lot deserves to be made fun of. They have no choice. So it's, <laughs> you, you got no option after that. That's really cool. And that's wallypleasant.com? Is that your website? Yes, and also the Facebook. Uh, where there's a couple sites on there too. 
Yeah. And, and, you're, and you're easy to get hold of and easy to find. And people should check out your music. We'll put links up, of course, at fishstars.com everywhere. And Wally, I seriously want to talk about, um, I'm coming up on my 200th episode of the podcast here in about a month. And I want a new theme song for the show. So I want to um, work with you to put something together because I think that if anyone oh, is yeah. the perfect writer for this, uh, we can, you, you're the person. So we can come up with something, hopefully. I think that would be perfect. I might, I might charge you a um, chartered fishing trip uh, when I'm in New Hampshire. <laughs> Do it. I just bought a brand new fishing boat this week. I haven't got it yet. And oh, that'd be awesome. We're, we're actually recording our 200th show on my new pontoon boat. So uh, if you ever get out here, I'd love to get you out fishing. And you can even stay at my house if you want to. That'd be awesome. And, and pontoon boats are great for playing music on. That's right. Stable. 15 years ago, my wife bought me a guitar. She said, what do you want for your, for, for your graduation? I said, I want a guitar and I want lessons. So she bought me a guitar. And I never learned how to play it because she didn't, buy me, <laughs> didn't get me lessons <laughs> to go along with. Oh, she didn't follow through at all. I know. You know, story of my life. I just thought of another fish story. I don't know if I, I, we could we're probably be bouncing around a lot. So I don't it's know right. if we could. Um, I went on a chartered fishing boat in Florida one time and we uh, all of a sudden like somebody caught a shark and everybody was like, stop the presses, a shark. Oh my God. Everybody's getting their camera out. And, uh, and then somebody else caught a shark and it wasn't quite as exciting. And then, then I caught a shark and they were, they no weren't cared. like, they weren't like bull sharks or tiger sharks or they were, they were nurse sharks, which yes. kind of catfish a little bit yeah they're beautiful uh, and uh yeah they're they're kind of cool well, well wally do you have any kids and then uh the guy in the boat said, i do i have a 13 year old and a 17 year old and, and i've taken them fishing uh, my parents live in a condo and there's uh, ponds around there so it's really great so, so I, the reason I was asking about any kids is because having kids is a lot like shark fishing. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, you like, like shark fishing? Yeah, okay. just like shark. So the first shark you catch is really exciting, right? Like you said, you're in Florida. You caught that, your friend caught that nurse shark. Everyone got really excited. Oh, yeah. First kid, really exciting. Second kid, eh. Third kid, who's the third kid? Like no one even knows the kid's <laughs> name. Sharks are the same way. The first one's really exciting. The second one's like, yeah, okay. Third one, who cares? So just the same. No difference. <laughs> Good analogy. Yes, yeah. perfect. <laughs> oh, oh, another shark. There oh, yeah. Way to go. Yeah. Look at who's having babies. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Excellent analogy. Yeah, I just thought of that. <laughs> oh, I was just uh, – oh, the guy in the boat said we could, we could have the sharks that we were catching mounted, and it would cost like uh, – some ungodly amount of money, like $2,000 a foot or something. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but it was really expensive. And um, I was thinking, I've never seen a mounted nurse shark anywhere. That would probably not be the... I, no, but... not have that part in there, because I kind of... <laughs> but maybe you should mount a nurse shark. You, you know what you got to do is you got to go and catch fish that no one gives a shit about and just mount those fish. Oh, Yeah. And have like, a museum. A museum. Who gives a shit taxidermy? <laughs> I love the name of that. <laughs> who gives a shit taxidermy? <laughs> what, what a great business name. 
<laughs> yep, oh, for sure. There's another pumpkin seed. Yep. yep. <laughs> Got another minnow up there. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Who gives a shit taxidermy? Carp. Yep. So that's it. You've listened to a bunch of fish nerds when you should have been fishing. Okay. Um, so we'd like to thank you. Right. We'd like to thank you for supporting Wally Podcast. Wow. Is that- <laughs> Is that- <laughs> for supporting us while we podcast. I've been okay. I've been drinking bourbon out of a glass this whole time. So like. <laughs> I started okay, off sober. We, I ended wacky. All right. <laughs> I had a great time. Up. So yeah. we'd like to thank you while we podcast. We'd like to thank you, family and friends, while we podcast, doing <laughs> stuff that's really fucking cool. Right on. Now, uh, let me see. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab a pen. Make it up, Wally. Make just make it up. You're fine. Okay. None okay. of this matters. It's okay. We'd <laughs> we'd like to thank you while we podcast. for supporting us for supporting us. Okay, we'd, we'd like to thank you for supporting us while we podcast, and our family and friends need help, too, <laughs> because we have a problems, and, you know, we're trying to work it out. Just don't try have to a solve. great night. <laughs> it's perfect. Special thanks to Doc Martin and Fish Guy Josh for the Fish of the Day segment. Huge thanks to Wally Pleasant for joining us. Please support his Kickstarter campaign. Head to fishnerds.com, and uh, when, you're, when you're clicking through, think, here, have some money. Because it's nice to be nice. Uh, head to <laughs> fishnerds.com. Check out the show notes for all the links. Until next time, follow the code of the fish nerds. Spawn early and often. Never trust a free lunch with strings attached. And swim against the current every chance you get. Perfect. You, did a, you made a podcast, Wally. <laughs> Whoa! All right. Now we're done. <laughs> so. All right. Well, thank you so much, Clay. I had a great time. You'll make a cream puff out of this train wreck here. We'll, we'll do what we can. So, hey, thank you so much. And I'm, I'm super happy to have met you, Wally. It's honestly, like, I'm a huge fan. And it's, uh, it's it's always so weird meeting people who I've been listening to music for years. For, and uh, it's, it's great. And it's one of the best things about making the podcast is meeting people like you. Well, so I appreciate well, it. Well, thank you, Clay. I really appreciate it. And we'll, we'll talk more about the song for the show. Um, yeah. 